We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Light Years. Samus Fandiari here, sitting in for Andy Lou, Big Nesh, the author of the Fast Break blog. What do we call your your uh, your formal title here? Curator. I think Adam called me lead blogger at some point, but that feels like a too heavy an endorsement. We'll just say every couple of days I write about the Warriors for Fast Break. We'll go with that. Yeah, well, you're about to have fun on tonight. Um, I, it's really starting to get some 2020-21 vibes going because I want to say this is the worst loss of the season, but I've used that line at least five times in the last month. Where do we even start? The Wizards are not good. And the Warriors came out flat and never got into it. You know, they looked like a lottery team with regards to defense. Like how many times do you miss rotating and giving up a wide open corner three? That's not something that should be happening at the end of March for a team who wants to contend. Nothing. I have nothing positive to say about them right now, other than Jordan Poole looks good. Yeah. It's a, I'm trying to search for, for silver linings here in the very dark cloud and coincidentally or not coincidentally, the weather in the barrier is getting gloomy. I think we're in for rain um, in the next couple of hours. So I, I think it's it's pretty – that's kind of what the Warriors season feels like. Like the dark clouds, the strong clouds are brewing. Rain is building up. We might get some lightning and fire in here. They don't look very good. Um, and the drop-off from the first 20 games of the season to now is just unfathomable. You know, you know, I'd love to say, like, any of us could have seen this coming because, of course, everyone wants to be Nostradamus. But this much of drop-off when you subtract – one player who did play the season in Stephen Curry, one player who didn't play a lot this season in Andre Godala, and a player who never played the season in James Wiseman is just not the mark of a championship team, to be really honest with you. And it's also the go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say I wanna actually there's there's a player you didn't mention who I want to focus on. I know we were texting about him pregame, but and one Draymond Green. He was there for those first 36 games. Um, sorry, 34 games. I'm looking at it right now. This team started 28 and six. They had, they were basically tied with the Phoenix Suns at that point. They had the best defense in the NBA um, by kind of a considerable margin. 
Yep. And then Draymond has the herniated disc and goes down, and it's just you know Steph held the held it afloat for an incredibly long period of time, but now it's just free fall. Draymond's back. He looks awful. Yeah, and I think there's multiple levels to to Draymond's kind of ineffectiveness, if you will. I've got the box score up right now. He finished minus 20 in this game. He was a huge minus in a number of other. Minus, dis- minus 24 in the Atlanta game. There you go. Uh, it's been, I mean, we can read box scores to you, but generally he has been a negative on the floor since he's been back. Five games now. They are, sorry, six games now. They won the first one and they've lost five in a row and he has looked largely awful. Yep. And it really comes from two perspectives, right? There's the the physical and the mental. Uh, mentally, I thought tonight was better. Not good, but better. Um, we've got a large contingent of Warriors Twitter, it seems, at the game today. So I was kind of following a couple of folks who were attending the game in person, and the the, the reporting was unanimous. He was not a happy camper on the bench, not happy with the refs, probably likely not happy with himself, not happy with how the team has played, but he was at least more engaged uh, and not checked out. But physically, this is a shell of the defensive player of the year in runaway fashion that we saw earlier this season. Um, and for Draymond, right, he's an undersized power forward tweener playing the five position for large chunks of time, and that's where he's most effective. But if you take away some of the unique physical attributes where he gets a split second slower, you know, that's where Draymond Green becomes ineffective, and that's kind of what we're seeing right now. He's not 100% physically, and it's showing. Um, and he's also obviously sloughing off Russ from missing almost three months of basketball. Yeah, and and I think that's what it comes down to. That that you, you kind of summed up how I felt, just uh, in nicer words. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here. He looks slow. He does not look healthy to me. So much of Draymond's game is built off being like a physical whirlwind force. Like he's not the fastest player. Right. But he does have this burst to him where he can turn a game around defensively and like at his peak, like I think his season probably peaked at Christmas yep. um, at this point, Christmas, no Wiggins, no pool. If you know, you got Quindary Witherspoon who had just been signed to a 10 day <laughs> yep. uh, and Draymond was guarding four guys at once. And it was like, we felt like we were in 2016 yep. drinking the culture Kool-Aid. Everything was good. And um, now you're watching him. He, he's not moving like that and he's not good enough to play with physical limitations. Like he's not LeBron James who can stand still and still be an effective player. And that's not even an insult to him. That's just kind of like part of Draymond's thing is his movement. And you can see him getting frustrated. And I know fans are getting annoyed with him getting texts. And like, honestly, I I don't know how he didn't get ejected the third when he had like three fouls in a single possession there, the flagrant and whatever, whatever the hell you want to call that possession. Um, he's lucky he didn't get ejected that game or sorry, that point in the game, but it's like, he, he's frustrated and I'm sitting here and I keep thinking about that, um, that Anthony Slater piece that he blew up Mm -hmm. about a week later where they were kind of mentioning how he was sick and didn't show up to the game. Almost felt like the team leaking, like they didn't think he was in, uh, you know, working out hard enough during his rehab But then you see his side of it where he's kind of flipping out and he's like, I'm not fully healthy. It's I'm not going to look like the guy you think when I come back. So I'm kind of mad that you guys are saying that, that, you know, like kind of putting this pressure to make me look like a fall guy. Right. 
Of and, course. And, and to me, the truth's probably in the middle of those two things. Like realistically, it's probably a little of each. But like it, to me, that felt like that's a far bigger point of inflection for the season than Steph's injury to me. Just I, just brass tacks. It, it feels like Steph's going to probably be fine when he comes back. But this team, if Draymond's not going to be Draymond, they're not. It's over. Yeah, they're not a contender. They're a second round out. For sure. Maybe even a first round out if they can't figure some mojo back up because it seems like every other game, half the team turns into a potato and forgets how to shoot or defend. Um, I, I think you're spot on, Sam. I do think like in this world of, of flaming hot takes and lack of nuance where things are very rarely black and white, um, you're right. It probably falls somewhere in the middle. And that kind of jockeying for, I guess, positioning, if you will, it's not on the rebounding glass. It's in the, the eyes and hearts and ears and brains of Warriors fans as, as, has been interesting to me. Um, I, I think Draymond Green has always been one of those players where if he's on your team, you love him 99.98% of the time. And 0.02% of the time, you're like, oh, my God, not again. Um, and in this particular situation, you can see him trying to rev himself back up. Like that whole three fouls in a tech sequence was then followed by a quick 7-0 burst from the Warriors to kind of maybe sort of get them back into the game. But it's not there for sustained excellence. Like it's not right. that, that defend. That's a, exactly. That's a great point. He had, um, I want to say, a three-minute burst there where I was like, okay, he looks kind of like yeah. the old Draymond, the guy that we – I don't even call him the old Draymond, just the guy we saw pre-injury, the guy we saw the first 35 games of the season, right? The of guy course. we saw until about uh, New Year's Day whenever uh, he herniated the disc. And, but that's the issue. He, if this is fully healthy Draymond, he can dig in like that for a full game. He can yeah. dig in like that, or even if it's not a full game, they have a crappy half, and then he decides to turn it up for the whole second half. I mean, how many times over the last eight years have we seen Warriors go down 20, and yep. then – he, uh, he, you know, they start digging in defensively and it always starts with Draymond because he's a captain of the defense and kind of the linchpin. All of a sudden they, they chip away at it. You know, maybe a team gets on a, you know, they hit a couple threes, but they chip away at it and that defense eventually suffocates them. Yep. Um, three minute burst doesn't do it. Like for this team, they need like 12 to 15 minutes of locked in defense. And I don't know if he has that in him right now physically. And I think that's like, that's leading him to getting mad. And when yep. he gets mad, then he's a liability. And I think I also don't want to just really heap any sort of blame at Draymond's feet because I I think there's a lot like Draymond's been in the news for, let's say, a variety of reasons. So I don't think we need to get into here based on podcasting things that he said and, and the whole uh, blow up about the article and the reporting. We don't have to go down there. But I also think. He's looking especially slow and vulnerable out there because the Warriors' point of attack defense from players not named Draymond Green has been horrific. Um, and everything kind of starts with that. If you're bad at the point of attack, everyone's scrambling, and then the Warriors have this insane tendency to help off the strong side corner. Um, and you've got guys like Corey Kispert, who hasn't scored more than, I think, 20 points all season, going off for 25 on six of nine shooting, and most of those are wide open. So not to really bag on Draymond, I think the Warriors' defense in general has slipped. But there was this kind of – I was holding out hope, at least, and a lot of Warriors fans were that he comes back and things just sort themselves out. Like he cracks the whip, Wiggins turns into an elite defender again, everyone else just magically rotates into place. Um, it turns out you can't just fix bad habits with the waving of a magic wand, even if that wand is as powerful as Draymond Green. So it is what it well, is at this point. 
And maybe you can if you have the Draymond of the beginning part of the season, but they don't. Yeah, that's the fair. thing. That's the thing. Like, I, I think if you throw him out there and he's communicating and moving the way mm-hmm. he normally does, a lot of this goes away. But as far as I can see, there's only one player on this team who is a legitimate, excellent perimeter defender, like doesn't need help, doesn't need communication, doesn't need anything. And that's Gary Payton the second. Yep. And I'm not even saying that as like an insult to Clay or Wiggins or any of those things. The amount of guys who can do that in the NBA, you could probably count on one hand, maybe two hands. You know, we're getting into like the Kawhi Leonard, yep. um, Mikel Bridges, uh, whoever you want to say, like class where it's just like they can actually switch. They can actually turn a game defensively without help from the back line. Everyone yep. else in the NBA is reliant on kind of their back line defender quarterbacking the whole thing. You tend to think of it as like the, the Rudy Gobert, you know, the big man. But Draymond does that for the Warriors. That's what he does. He's that guy in the back line. And he's limited. He thinks he can do things he physically can't do right now. The yep. team, maybe the team is rotating, assuming Draymond will cover stuff that he can't get to. That's another part of the problem. You know, it's like you play with Draymond, you assume he can get to places that he physically can't get to right now. Next thing you know, someone's wide open in the corner. Um, it, it's not a surprise to me. Steve Kerr's gone to that that GP2, yeah. Damian Lee, um, William Drago Porter. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Clay and Looney lineup because those guys, whatever limitations they have, are intellectually locked into where they need to be. Yeah. And I don't I don't really know how any of this how any of this changes until Draymond ramps up, I guess is the way to put it, right? <laughs> Hashtag ramp up season. I think one other point I want to make, as far as I'm aware, Sam, neither yourself nor myself are doctors. Um, and from just quick perusals of Twitter and, and replies. Seems like as much as this may be a little bit of jockeying about how ready Draymond actually is physically, um, the consensus seems to be the Warriors, as conservative as, as they've been, would not rush Draymond back if he could get worse in terms of his back, which is good. So at least if I squint hard enough, I see a pathway over the next seven or eight games before kind of the playoffs kick in where Draymond, as you said, ramps up, gets back into game shape. Um, gets back, kind of stops throwing those Hail Mary passes that have zero chance of connecting, is able to move his feet better defensively, get stuff cleaned up. But we're running out of time very quickly. Um, the Warriors yeah. are running out of time quickly. I was thinking about it during this game. Would they have sat Draymond an extra week and just had him do pure conditioning um, if uh, if they didn't need him out there right now? Yeah. You know? And that gets back to the conversation of why didn't you get another big man? And, you know, everything kind of ties into the same circular discussion. You know, oh, we're going to wait on James Wiseman, who clearly was never going to play this year. And all these sort of things where it's like, you know, you can say what you want about about Draymond, but like you have a herniated disc. There's only so much conditioning you're even allowed to do. Like I'm totally, what do you do? Ride a bike? Riding a bike's not getting in basketball shape. It's just keeping you from getting, you know, even more out of shape than you would normally be, right? Like exactly. There's there's uh there's being in shape, and then there's NBA shape, and there's no way to get into basketball shape without doing actual basketball workouts. So totally. part of me part of me is sitting here and going like, this is the risk they took all season 
with their, you know, win now, develop now plan where we're not going to fill out the roster with more reliable players because we want to give young guys minutes. One of those young guys didn't play all year and they knew he wasn't going to play when he had a setback and they knew in January, the best case for Wiseman was he'd be back in March and considering how he looked last year and how little he played, the idea that he could affect a game on a team trying to contend was, I mean, you have to be fully bought into the Lake of Fitz propaganda to think that like five NBA games was going to get him ready to be DeAndre Ayton in the playoffs, you know, like that was never going to happen. And I'm just sitting here and it's just like, now here we are, they're undermanned. They're, they, they just, and it's, Notice how I'm taking it easy on Steve Kerr. I, I want to ask you yeah. about Kerr before we get this to and last year. I thought the coaching staff really made it harder on the team than they needed to. Right now I'm looking at it. I don't know what Steve Kerr is supposed to do. I don't know what the coaching staff is supposed to do. Their defensive anchor. I don't know. Is he 50%? Is he 70%? He looks limited and he's just not the same player. Their offensive engine and the best player on the team is just not there and they have no depth at some critical positions do you do you have anything about the coaching staff that you feel is a problem here because to me it's like I feel like you're grasping at straws right now when you make that the uh the thing that is is irritating you because to me I see roster issues I'm totally with you Sam I I have, of course, like individual with the benefit of hindsight, like nitpicks against particular decisions in particular games. That's going to be true for any coach, even if you're like 98% perfect or you're Popovich or or Spolstra or any of these elite coaches. On the aggregate, I have nothing for the coaching staff, to be quite honest with you. Um, My only quibble, if I have one, actually, I'll take that back. I have one quibble, which is the experimentation that the Warriors are doing right now that steps out. I feel like they could have gotten a little friskier earlier in the season, but also on the flip side, they were 18 and two in the first 20 games or something ridiculous and 28 and four, 26 and eight or 28 and six, whatever in the first 34 games, why mess with something that ain't broken? Um, so I, I got nothing for the coaching staff. I'm looking at the DNPs from tonight. Bielitsa, no minutes, uh, JTA, no minutes, Moses Moody, no minutes, Chioza, no minutes. Um, I see Otto Porter coming off the bench and hoovering up 11 rebounds in 27 minutes. Um, he's been really good the last couple of weeks. Like you can't really ask for more than what he's done. Otto Porter Jr., Kevon Looney, Gary Payton II, and even, even Warriors Twitter's favorite whipping boy, Damian Lee. Like his shot comes and goes, but he's a great rebounder and he boxes out and he's able to play defense. Like these are fantastic end of bench options um, that may not play a whole lot in the postseason, but that's we're not there yet. And this is exactly when they should be playing. Like you need these people to help fl- uh, finish off your regular season. It, it's, it all comes back to roster construction, Tim. I think you're totally right. I think there is a Jordan, universe. Jordan Poole played over 40 minutes tonight, and it honestly felt too little because yeah. they don't have a backup point guard. They have They're Chris Chioza on a two-way, and like Draymond I get Green. why Steve – Yeah, exactly. They have Draymond. That's it. That's the entirety of their ball handlers. Andre Godala, of course, at the end of the bench. He's going to play tomorrow, apparently. Um, but wow. who knows who else is going to, yeah, it's like a revenge of the, of his Memphis stint. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just to get his conditioning up, but it's a roster construction thing. They're weak at critical positions. And this is the one year, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is the one year where I wish the Warriors carried one or two too many bigs. 
And this is not like some hindsight is 2020 thing. I think everyone's been beating this drum since the beginning of the season. There were seasons where they carried Damian Jones, Berjao, Bogut, David West, Festus. Like they had bags of bigs who were like, I don't know if these guys are going to play in the playoffs. This season they're like, you know what? We're gonna we don't want to unroster JTA. We don't want to unroster Damian Lee. We don't want to to sacrifice his players, which is fine. But now they got no one above. Like they have no seven. We don't want to give up one of our young players because God forbid that happens. Yeah, no, it's the same thing. It's like you can. I mean, they have two teenagers and a 20, soon to be 21 year old who won't play this entire year. Um, Those are three. Those are three roster spots. Those are three spots that could have been guys that helped this team in a different way. And I'm not saying they haven't been promising and everything, but um, there's trade-offs to decisions you make. And this is, I'm sure there's a multiverse where everything comes up like up and we're, we're joking about how we should start minting light years coins or something. Um, This is unfortunately not one of those multiverses in this particular universe. You had disaster strike with Draymond's back injury. You had disaster strike again with Steph's ankle uh, or foot injury. And in between, what you've got is a couple of setbacks for Wiseman. Like, it's not the absolute catastrophic outcome. That would have been neither Draymond nor Steph plays again this season. That would have been, like, the, the worst possible, like, the darkest timeline if you've watched um, any community. Like, that's the darkest timeline. We're not in the darkest timeline, but it's looking pretty bleak right now. Yeah. All right. Let's get, let's get to some callers. Let's, let's, let's go that route to the goons. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan, what's up, bro? Hey, what's up, guys? Ah, you know, 
watching this Laker Pelicans game, hoping it'll cheer me up. I got cap up. My dad just cooked, so gotta gotta get this nice. call in and go eat. But uh, what's it called? Uh, Draymond has me feeling like a certain Twitter coach right now. Prime four five out there tonight. Jesus Christ, what was that? The poutiness has been there for like six games, and it's starting to get to me. It's just annoying because it's like every time Steph goes up, he's supposed to be the emotional jolt of the team, and he's not giving a jolt. He's pouting. He's moping. He has his shoulders down, and he's sort of playing this victim card, and I'm just sick of it. And then Wiggins with the silent, the most silent 22 I've ever seen a player put up. I don't know how he manages to do this. And getting blown by Thomas Sadoransky. It's... It, it's just these are two guys who, for that 18 and two stretch, were playing all NBA slash All Star levels respectively, and right now they're barely playing like starters. Yeah, um, Ryan, appreciate you calling in. I'm I'm not sh- on aggregate. I'm okay with Wiggins' play tonight. I think he I think he put together a pretty solid, mm, you know, he put together a solidish game tonight i would have liked to see him rebound a little more but he attacked the rim which is something he doesn't necessarily consistently do and i you know i, th- I thought i thought wigs wasn't necessarily the problem the problem is more like this team needs Draymond to be a superstar defender and he wasn't one let's keep it moving let's get to my guy ricky garcia hey what's up how you doing i'm good how are you well, I've spent most of the week in moping, thinking about how UCLA absolutely blew an easy path to the Final Four, but uh, this loss just made it worse. <laughs> uh, what you got for us? Well, anyway, um, so, I, by the way, I also do love how you said in the last pod, um, you said that um, we'd be getting um, good Draymond back soon and we'd be forgetting about his comments about LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, um, we got an up. We got a very ugly three-game stretch. Uh, the Grizz, the Suns, the Jazz. Um, if we lose all three of those games, um, are we on the verge of um, reaching the absolute lowest point of the season? Um, it would be a one and eight stretch since uh, Steph went down. Ricky, appreciate the call. Um, yes, if they lose all those, I will call this the roughest stretch of the season because there's no Steph. And it doesn't feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Vignesh, I want to ask you. All right, so let's assume they do lose those games. I'm looking at this right now. They're two games up on the Utah Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks, um, not withholding tonight's results. Um, the, The Mavericks are technically up on the Utah Jazz right now. So either way, one of those teams is going to make up ground and get to one and a half games. And one of those teams is going to kind of fall to three games. One, if the Warriors get past, who, who would you want to, who would you rather play in the four or five? I guess what I want to say right now, like I'm, I'm just going to be blunt about it. I don't know that they can, they could technically fall to six, but there's the four games in the last column separation right now with them and the nuggets. It seems more like it's the Warriors jazz and Mavs fighting for the three to five. Um, if the, do you think the, sorry, let's, let's put it this way. Do you think the Warriors will hold on to the three seed? And if they don't, what's the better matchup for you? I'm going to say if this is where they need these wins badly, right? The wizards, the magic, 
the, the Spurs. The, the Hawks, too. They, they needed these wins, and they didn't get them. So I'm going to say, yeah, at this point, <laughs> to, to answer the question, like, is this the lowest point of the season? I've said yes like six times, and I've always been surprised how much lower it gets, but there's not enough games left for us to get much lower. I think after all that, losing to Sacramento on the third would probably be the absolute low point, but let's not go there. Um, I think I think we are going to drop out of the three seed to four. I think, and, I, and I've gone back and forth on this, I think that the potential matchups then become Denver or Minnesota, Depending on how things shake out, if I'm not mistaken. I'm gonna no, 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 no. Uh, okay, so wait, are you saying are you saying they're going to drop to the four or five or the six? I, I, they're going to drop to the four or five. I don't think they're going to drop all the way to six. So I we'll I, figure something out. So just looking at it, one of Utah or Dallas will be in the four or five, most likely. Got it. That's correct. So, okay, if we stay at three, we'll get Timberwolves or maybe Clippers. Got it. Yeah. I'm torn on this one. I think. If we drop to four or five and Utah and or Dallas is there, I'd probably rather play Dallas. Ooh, but I, I, I yeah, I'm, I, as I say that, I'm like, do I really want to see Luca in a first round playoff series? Give me, give me your, uh, so I, I've made this case on previous pods and, you know, I'll, I'll reiterate my point after you, but I think Utah is a far more favorable matchup for the Warriors. Interesting. Than- Dallas. I think it, like all things considered, I don't want to play Dallas in the first round. I'd rather Dallas get to three seed and the Warriors being a four or five with Utah than the opposite scenario. Uh, and I'll make my case after you, but explain to me why you would rather face Dallas than Utah. I think it's residual trauma from that Hassan Whiteside Rudy Gobert game where they literally <laughs> destroyed the Warriors on the front line. Admittedly, that was without Draymond, but at this point, how much can you count on Draymond to bang with a pair of seven-footers over the course of a seven-game series? I'm not entirely sure. So it's probably just too much trauma from that. Um, Dallas doesn't have a seven-footer that scares me, and Utah has two. That being said, Dallas has Luka, right? And that's the flip side, um, and you can drag. Like, there's an advantage to playing against Whiteside as he continues to play drop coverage and or struggles mightily to try to defend people on the perimeter, assuming steps back by that point. I, I, maybe I'm making your case for you. I think that's the, the case for Utah and they shoot a lot of threes, you know, over the course of a seven game series, you may catch them on a, on a cold stretch. And Dallas is, is very heliocentric as it would be my point to playing them. If you're able to get the ball out of Luca's hands, the role players have played great. Um, but I think they're slightly vulnerable. Um, I, I don't know. I'm happy to hear your point, though, because I think I could go either way on this, and I'm not entirely convinced it's it's Dallas is the better option. So the reason I do not want to play Dallas out of all those teams is because at best, Steph's going to get like three regular seasons under him. At worst, he's going to be coming straight back. Yeah. I They're the best defensive team, in my opinion. Of the, They're the most versatile defensive team. Of Fair. the of those teams remaining, we know how Utah plays. I like the Warriors' chances at attacking drop coverage and spacing mm-hmm. around Rudy Gobert. End of the day, if Steph and Clay aren't hitting shots, like they're not going to be anyone. But like that's a that's that plays to the Warriors' strengths. Dallas has gotten the ball out of Steph's hands as well as any team in the NBA. And then on the other side, Luca, Brunson, and throw Dinwiddie in there. Those are three guys who will hunt Steph. Yep. And I just don't want to put Steph through that in his 
first series off of an injury in the playoffs. That feels like a matchup where if they faced him with 10 games to get their legs under him, the Warriors would figure it out pretty quickly. But it seems to me in the first round, that's the type of thing that gets really dicey. Whereas Utah, Utah is really meant to pick on teams who can't shoot the ball. Like they yeah. take away the rim and the Warriors, quite frankly, don't do anything at the rim. They're not a good yeah. rim. You know, like they, they yeah. want to space you out. So um, they're both really good teams. I just think that Dallas is the worst matchup given the Warriors conditions right now. I want to read one quote to you before we keep it moving. Um, Draymond in post game just now, well, two minutes ago, uh, goes, I feel terrible. I'm playing terrible. I've never been on a team that gets worse when I'm on the floor. And that's where we're at right now. I'll let the quote speak for itself. Yeah. I mean, I, this is so like from a logistical, sorry, from a logic standpoint, I'm watching Draymond play on the court and I'm like, dude, he does not look like Draymond Green. Like there's no other way to say it. But then I, you know, you hear him. He's fully aware of how below his his standards he's playing. Uh, and, you know, insert Bob Myers, Kumbaya quotes, believe in the character, <laughs> they'll figure it out, right? Like that's that's kind of where we're at with it. It's like there is no and, – and that's kind of why I'm easy on the coaching staff. Like Steve Kerr, what is he going to do? Like they need Draymond to be better. Yep. This, and this isn't about Draymond being mentally better. It's about being physically better to me. And that's not a coaching staff thing. It's not like, wow, you're running the worst scheme in the world. Let me give you one half quote. I feel terrible. I feel healthy, but I feel terrible. Long pause, but it will come. Also Draymond Green. So there you yeah. go. I mean, it's a, we, we are at the, you kind of have to just cross your fingers and hope his body comes together better because at the end of the day, this team is built on two players. It's yep. built on Steph Curry making the offense functional and Draymond Green making them elite defensively. Uh, they're currently without either, which kind of explains a lot. But, um, you know, it, it's like, you know, until Draymond plays like Draymond, they're they're not that team. So, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I'm going to move it forward. Ty, what's up, bro? Hey, yo. What's going on? Oh, yeah, you know the drill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rough game. Um, hearing a lot of, you know, uh, skies falling stuff as per usual. But, I mean, it is what it is. Something that um, I noticed, uh, there was a lot of just open threes that this team gives up in the corners. I've been doing it all year. And I think – uh, well, my theory on it is that like hybrid, like man zone, crazy Neo in the Matrix defense shit they were running early in the season. They're still trying to run it with just much less chemistry. Like Corey Kispert's hot as hell. Right. Uh, and I see D Lee and Clay Thompson both like point at Kispert like for like three seconds and look at each other and then both like look away and run away from bro. And then he gets a wide open three in the corner. So I just think it's like. Shit like that, execution mostly. But let me know what y'all think. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think the I think the fundamental thing with execution is it starts with Draymond. Like he's the leader of the defense. If he can't do the things that he needs to do, it has a ripple effect down the line. Like we we all watched him play at the beginning of the season. They were on a string. They were on a string, and Draymond was louder than everyone, telling everyone where to be and moving everywhere. Like I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys want like football analogies, but it's like it's like watching. Um, <laughs> This, this is bad, but it's like watching late career Peyton Manning where you knew he intellectually could quarterback, but he couldn't throw a ball. You know, like that's, oh, that's like that's like what I'm watching with, with Draymond right now. And like Draymond thinks it's going to come back and maybe it will come back. And maybe it is just a matter of like, dude, he needs another week to get his wind and his body under him. But right now it doesn't look too good. First off, I just wanted to quickly shout out Neo in the Matrix style defense. I, I love the analogy. Um, it, it is a lot of dodging bullets. I, I do think it, it starts with Draymond, but it also comes down to the team's coalescing. And right now is probably the worst time of the season to be throwing like darts at a dartboard and hoping for lineup combinations that stick. Uh, when you put a bunch of people who haven't played a ton together in kind of awkward positions, particularly when some of them are young, some of them are coming back from long injury layoffs, um, you're going to see stuff like, you, you got him, I got him. Oh, you got him. Oh, shit, he hit a three. So from that perspective, Draymond erases a lot when he's at 100%, but also if the Warriors can get any sort of consistency um, together um, over the next seven games, it's going to be helpful, win or lose. Uh, it's just it's looking very, very, very brutal right now. Um, and then the other component, of course, is why do the Warriors need to play so much zone? Um, it's, a, it's an interesting tactic. You see it a lot in college. It's to, to take, try to just take teams out of rhythm. But the Warriors have been almost reliant on it to a fault over the last couple months, primarily because they don't got Draymond to erase all the problems on the back end. Um, and so that's just kind of where they're at right now. Yeah, I mean, they don't – I think if you ask the coaching staff, they would tell you they'd like another big on the roster. Of course. Um, <laughs> and they don't have it. One way to alleviate the issue of not having a rim protector and someone to erase there is kind of clog the paint with some zone. The yep. problem with that is you make yourself, you make it a little easier to give up some threes. So it is what it is. That's where we're at with Exactly. That. Let's keep moving. Gio. Yeah. So my question is, right? Like, so next year when like Junior is back, like, do you see them like do this thing again? Like, like do this like weird, like two time my thing over again next year because like i don't see them winning this season because I, I don't think this team's got enough to win to win to win this year the team's are too injured they're too old they're too injured they're too young and back then like i don't see that happening but next year though like, like could you see this again like that's my question yes oh i hope not but yeah i mean it's like i get always getting at are they going to try to do this two windows thing next year um yeah, I think you're right, but I really don't. I, I, I'm not ready to go there right now. So Maybe I'll expand on it for like two seconds just to avoid giving a one-word answer to what I think is a really profound question. I think the only time you'll hear them concede that the two timelines approach did or didn't work is A, they win a title, or B, the window on the title opportunity closes and it's time to move on to the timeline that looks a little bit longer in terms of time frame. It's just... There's, there should be, this should not be a surprise to anyone. This is what the Warriors have been signaling towards for quite some time. Um, for better or for worse, right? The, the title of this podcast comes from light years, and this is what Joe Lacob genuinely believes can be done. 
No one's really successfully done it before with maybe one or two notable exceptions. He's all in on this. We're going to get some of the same stuff next year. Unless the only thing that I think shifts the needle is if the Warriors continue to flame out in spectacular fashion and the big three plus Steve Kerr essentially go to Joe and and Bob Myers and say, this ain't going to happen. And you're going to have to do something dramatic and it would take something, something very out of character. I think for all of them combined to really shift the timeline. Otherwise I'm fully expecting this again. in All right. Let's get that. uh, Let's get that Ben, Ben Affleck smoking a cigarette picture out. Um, All right. Let's get to Kissa. Kissa. How you doing? Hi guys. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay. So I was at the game tonight. Warriors fans all over. They were hyped. You know, it was nice and all. But the actual game, very underwhelming. It was terrible. And I understand that Draymond is still, you know, injured. But the entire Warriors roster, terrible in defense. We didn't know how to play defense. Offense, we just looked really, really bad. And Jordan Poole just missing a bunch of bunch of wide open threes did not help either. Terrible to watch. And also the question you asked about Jazz versus Map, like I hope we play the Jazz if it comes to that, because we just you just don't want to play the Maps. Like Luca goes to a whole another level in the playoff, and it's just unguardable. Like it's really hard. So yeah, that's it. Thank you guys. Okay, so appreciate the call. I forgot to tell you, Vignesh, that was my other point. Um, I don't love the idea of being in close single possession games when you have one of the three or four best closers in the NBA. Like, hundred um, percent. You know, the Warriors. The Warriors know how to close games when they're fully healthy, and you know, Steph and Clay and Draymond are on that list. But like Luca does have that ability to. Uh, Utah, Donovan Mitchell is an excellent player, but I just. Luca's better. Sorry, you know it's like <laughs> which which one of those players do you want to be dealing with with three fifty left in the game and it's ninety two yep. ninety three and we're trading single possessions. You know, so you've 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 sold me. I <laughs> as soon as I as soon as I uttered the words Dallas, I'm like oh, but Luca and now I'm a hundred percent on team. Let's play Utah if it gets there. I'm I know I've been very gloomy this entire podcast, possibly reflecting the weather and the Warriors' current recent run of play, but. You know, if they can hang on to the three C, that would be ideal. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. All right, keep moving. Steve, how you doing? Hey, uh, not great, fellas. Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, I think I called in a couple couple games ago at, when when they uh, collapsed against the Lakers, and I was piping mad. But I think at this point, I'm I'm just more sad than anything. Um, you know, Draymond, I think is. Maybe it's health, maybe it's whatever. But he's been so bad. I'm almost wondering if he got kicked out of the Spurs game to help the team. Um, give him a better chance to win. Um, but, you know, I think we just have to let him play through it, unfortunately. Um, if he doesn't get better, obviously we have no chance in the playoffs, so it doesn't matter anyway. I think the one thing I, I did want to ask you guys about was the potential impact to, like, some of the young guys, especially Kaminga. Um, he was playing well up until the last couple of games. I think he led the team in plus-minus for three games in a row going after the Heat game. And he got kind of buried tonight after the really bad start, which obviously seems like it's a lot on Draymond's plate. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on kind of how we avoid kind of dragging uh, Kaminga down with this play. Yeah, actually, I like this as a, a way to end the show on a different note. Um, on aggregate, I think they've done a really good job with Kaminga. Um, 
I think he's 19. I think he's going to have some stretches where you're like, yeah, you, you, you look like he could be in college right now, you know? And then he has other stretches where you're like, oh, wow, he's going to be the best player in the NBA in 10 days, you know? Like, so yep. it's, it's one of those things. I think my big thing with Kuminga is I just, I love his energy. I love his confidence. The kid does not seem bothered when he gets back. I mean, he, if anything, it seems to challenge him. Which is which I love that. Like you know what I'm talking about, where he's like totally Kerr is kind of he responds to Kerr being hard on him. Him and Jordan Poole are cut from that same cloth where it's like if they get uh, you know, if if Steve's difficult on them because let's just say they're, you know, missing rotations, they respond to, and he benches them, they respond to it with better focus and energy the next game. 100% agree. I think, and the other running joke is that Moses Moody doesn't need any of that hard coaching because he's actually a 40-year-old veteran in a in a 19-year-old's body. Uh, but yeah, I think the plan for for Kuminga has been elite, as as especially uh, juxtaposed against just how difficult the Warriors found to integrate James Wiseman last year. They're playing to his strengths. His free throw shooting was four. He struggled tonight, but he was four or four from the line, which is generally a good predictor of uptake in confidence and shooting ability outside the three-point line. Um, or outside the free throw line, excuse me. He's going to have these games. I think that the Kuminga plus Draymond start as a starting lineup experiment, while Draymond isn't 100%, is kind of dragging Kuminga down a little bit. But overall, the plan has been fantastic. Um, well, and and be we, we, we can talk about it. It's it's because Draymond's playmaking and operating kind of out of, you know, dribble handoffs on the perimeter is... yep de facto spacing so it allows Kuminga to be kind of the dive man and operate around the rim where he's terrific right meanwhile um you know Looney Looney's Looney's gonna operate around the rim so you maybe put Otto with him to space the floor like it's it's about combinations yeah and it's and I think it's the right call because I think it Steve was explicit about it, right? It's something Warriors Twitter has been very vocal about. It's like, why are we can't get away with playing two non-shooters mm-hmm. if we don't have Steph? Um, or if it's just Jordan Poole and company plus, you know, Draymond and Looney or Kuminga and Looney just because they don't get enough respect. Um, justifiably so if, if I'm a defense. I'm not worried about them too much. Uh, it's just that the timing of it is an, a little unfortunate from Kuminga's perspective because – you know, he hasn't figured out how to play with Draymond. He hasn't played enough with Draymond yet to figure that out. So as the dribble handoffs happen, you can see Draymond waving them to get out of the way. He's kind of out of position. He's forcing up a couple of shots. He's 19. I think they're going to figure it out long-term. I'm very excited by him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to end it here. Um, yeah, depressing. Depressing Sunday night loss. We'll be back for the Grizzlies game. Um, not much else to say. Appreciate you all for subscribing. Sam, I've got one last piece of good news. What's that? The Lakers lost. Oh, thank God. We'll, That's right. We'll end. If we're if we're going down, they go down worse. That is how we're ending this show. <laughs> Thanks, Vignesh. I appreciate you for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for who listens. <laughs>